Well, good morning, South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle. Welcome to in-person worship. Let's give God some praise today. So excited to be here. We also welcome those of you watching online. You're uh, every bit as part of our congregation as anyone. We're just excited. We've been working for eight years to be here, to launch our new campus, have people in. And it's been over a year since we've been able to open our worship service to the public in person because of the pandemic. And so this is a milestone, like a major milestone. Now, when we have 100% capacity, we can open the doors and let everybody in. We're gonna have another celebration. We're gonna have a big ribbon cutting ceremony. We're gonna invite people. We're gonna do all kinds of stuff, but let's not lose sight of this moment in time. Whether you're here in person or watching online, God has just done something incredible and is on the move. And so we just celebrate and give God thanks and praise today. Let's just have a quick prayer and just give God some thanks. Gracious and eleven God, we thank you for this 55-year-old church. Lord, for the, the, the people who started the church, the people who are, have been in this church, the people who are in this church now, Lord. Some of them, founding members are here with us today as well, God. But we celebrate with those who are watching online, Lord. And we just celebrate this milestone that we've been working towards for eight years, God, to relaunch our congregation into this new mixed-use development with the church in the heart of apartments and a hotel and restaurants and shops that we can share the love of Jesus with our community and our neighborhood. And so today, God, we give you thanks and praise, and we just offer it all up to you, God, to you be the glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm excited to jump in today to our uh, continued series, as Chris said, What's Your Story? It's inspired by a man named Donald Miller that really got me thinking about my own life. And so as I've done the last couple of Sundays, I just want to open with a question for you. If your life was a movie, would you want to watch it? If your life was a novel, would you want to read it? If your life was a TV show, would you want to binge watch that like you do on Netflix? Because the premise is that what makes a good story also makes a good life. And so we're looking at what is it that makes a good story? A good story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. A character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. If you think about your favorite stories in your life, whether it's written or visual, I guarantee it's gonna come back to this formula in some form or fashion, right? We talked last week about The Wizard of Oz, a great story, right? Dorothy's a character, what does she want? She wants to go home, what does she have to do? She has to overcome the Wicked Witch and all of her minions that try to get Dorothy in her ruby red slippers, right? A character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. You are the lead character of your life. You're the lead character of your story. What kind of a story are you writing with your life? Last week, we looked at a character, right? So you're the main character of your life. And what makes a good character in a story is a character that develops. Characters are always different at the end. They grow, they transform, they, they get better. And so I challenged you last week to think about what kind of a character are you, are you in your story. You're the, you're the lead role. You're the lead character. What kind of character development has taken place in your life? How have you transformed relationally, emotionally, professionally, spiritually? Right? I invited you to look back where you came from, look around where you are now, and look forward to where God's calling you next. So we talked about being a character. Well, today we're going to take it a step further, and we're going to talk about a character who wants something. Right? Every character has to want something in a story to make it interesting. Obviously, we read books, we watch television shows, we watch movies. And what do characters want? Some of them want to find love. Some characters want to win. Some characters want to save the day. Some characters want to rule the world. Right? So in your life, you're the lead character. In your story, what do you want? 
Because what you want is going to drive your story. It's going to drive what you do as a character, right? And so what is it that you're pursuing? Because that's, that's what you want, and that's the kind of story that, that you're living. Maybe a better question is, do we want the right things, right? Some of us can have a terrible story because we're, we're pursuing the wrong things. We want the wrong things out of life. We think they're the right things, but they're not the right things, right? What do you want? Are you pursuing the right things in your life. And maybe an even bigger question is, what does God want for your life? You ever stop to think about that? What does God want your story to be? What does God want you to be doing in your life? What, what is your, your story supposed to be from God's perspective? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I get way ahead of God and I, I say, this is what I want in my life and this is what the culture says that I want. And I pursue those things and usually end up feeling empty. And I think God wants us to live a full life. So, if you're a character, lead character, your story, what is it that you want? Do you want the right thing and do you want what God wants for your life? And how do you know what God wants for your life? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about today. And we're gonna dive into a very interesting story, I think, in the Bible. We're gonna be in the Old Testament in the book of Esther. This was written like 480 years before Jesus was born. So this is an old story, but we're still talking about it because it's a powerful story, it's a true story, and it's got some great characters who want different things. So about roughly 500 years before Jesus is born, we're going to be in the Middle East, and the main kingdom then was known as the Persian kingdom, and the king was Xerxes. He was a powerful man. He ruled most of the Middle East, and so one day he decided to have this big gathering of all his main leaders from across the, uh, the empire and to show them off, to make them feel good about themselves, and mostly to show how cool a ruler and powerful a ruler he was. And as the wine was flowing, it got late in the night, and Xerxes invited his wife, Queen Vashti, to come in, and he wanted to show her off, kind of like a trophy wife. He didn't care about her thoughts, her feelings, her emotions. He just wanted to show her off as this prized object that he had. And she objected to that. Rightly so. She should object to that. But in that day and age, it was a patriarchal society, and that could get her killed. But she refused to be treated like a trophy wife and come out in front of all these drunk leaders from the kingdom. And she said, absolutely not. And that made Xerxes mad. And he stewed about it. He thought about what to do. Maybe even wanted to kill her. But he decided to do something that was probably even maybe possibly worse than death. He banished her from the kingdom. So she's queen no more. She has no more authority, no title, no protection, no source of income, and she's cast out to be a poor beggar out into the kingdom. Who knows what happened to Queen Vashti? And so the king wanted a trophy wife who didn't have a brain but would just simply stand there and look beautiful for all of his friends. Didn't happen. So he starts looking for a new wife. And long story short, he ends up marrying this woman named Esther, who is uh, a woman of God, woman of the nation of Israel, Jewish woman, follows God. And so she's now queen. She's beautiful, uh, but she's also a good person. But now she's the queen of this whole kingdom, and she and her cousin, uh, Mordecai, her male cousin, he comes into the kingdom with her, and they're living life. Uh, and so things are going along well. And then uh, the king Xerxes, like his right-hand man, like the second in command, was a man named Haman. And he wanted people to worship him. He had a huge ego. He wanted people to bow down before him. And so whenever he walked in a room, everybody would bow down to him with the exception of Mordecai because Mordecai is not gonna bow down to anybody but God. So that made Haman mad and he stewed about it. And he was angry and he wanted to get some revenge on Mordecai. And what he decided to do, I think was quite a bit of an overreaction. Not only was he gonna harm Mordecai, 
But he tricked the king into making a decree in which the king, at a certain point in history, uh, coming up on the calendar, would have all of the Jewish people in the kingdom killed because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to Haman. So Haman wanted to be worshiped. When he didn't get that, he wanted all of Mordecai's family, his whole entire nation, to be killed. And now it's going to happen, right? So there's a date on the calendar. The clock is ticking. And Mordecai and Esther and everybody who's Jewish or Israelite is going to die, right? It's because Haman wanted that. Now, Mordecai, right, is a character who wants something. He wants his people to live. And so he goes to Esther. And he says, Esther, right, you're the only one who can save us. Right? You have the king's audience. You're his wife. You got to stand up for our people. You have to make an appeal for our people. And she's like, don't you remember what happened to the last queen who went against the king? In fact, there's a law. If I go to my husband before, and he has not asked me to come to him, he can have me executed. Mordecai, you know, I'm worried about our people, but I'm just not ready to do that. Right? Esther didn't want to be put into a difficult position. So lots of different characters wanting different things. Let's see what happens. Esther chapter four. So Mordecai sent back this answer to his cousin Esther. Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. Esther, God's gonna save the Jewish people. Right? with or without you. And if not, then you're going to die in the middle of this. You need to get on board with the train here. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Maybe, Esther, the reason you're queen is because God wanted you to be in this position for this moment to save your people. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe that's why God placed you here. So then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. So don't eat anything for three days. Just pray and seek God's will. Right, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Character development, transformation. Esther didn't want to be bothered with this. She didn't want to have to risk her life. But Mordecai spoke to her. And said, Esther, maybe this is exactly why you're queen. Maybe this is exactly why you're in this position for a time such as this. Maybe this is what God has placed you to do. And so Esther changed what she wanted. She's like, not what I want, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. What does God want? If this is what God wants me to do, I'm going to go. And if I die, I die. Right? And so she made a huge transformation from what she wanted to what God wanted. Right? That is powerful. Right, as we think about our own lives, what do we want? What does God want? Now, what happens in the rest of the story? Some of us know. We've read Esther. We've heard about it. But if you don't know, I invite you to go home today and read the book of Esther. It's short, right? It's in the Old Testament. I'm not going to give you the Cliff Notes version. I want you to read it. It's just, it's a cool ending to the story. Okay? You won't be disappointed. So go home, read Esther. It's a short book. It's worth your while. But, but what we take from Esther again is what do characters want, right? Do we want the right things? Do we want what God wants? And if what God wants is hard, are we willing to be willing to pay the price to do what God calls us to do? So I think about it in our lives. What do you want? What do I want? What do we want in our lives? If our lives are stories, what do we want? And I think if we're honest with each other, we probably all want very similar things. I think we would all want to love someone 
and to be loved some, by someone, right? That somebody cares about us, that, that somebody is interested in us, that they're there for us, right? Whether it's parents or brothers and sisters or boyfriend, girlfriend, a spouse, right? We want people to love us. We wanna be in relationships with people. And, and that I think is, is what we want. I think we also, somewhere down deep, wanna make a difference. We wanna make the world a better place. That we, we have gifts and abilities that the world needs for us to use to make the world a better place. God has given you certain things. And I think that inherently, we want to use what we have to make the world a better place. I think we want the basics in life. I think we want to be comfortable. I think we wanna, we wanna be, have things that sustain us. We all wanna have a house or a home to live in, a roof over our heads. We wanna have food on the table and food in the refrigerator. We wanna have clothes on our back. We wanna be able to drive somewhere. We wanna have some money to spend and, and have a good time. We wanna have air conditioning in the summer. We wanna have heat in the winter, right? These are you know, modern creature comforts, right? We wanna have the basics of life. And I think God's okay with all of this, right? These are things that we want. Right? We wanna love, we wanna have the basics covered, we want to make a difference, we wanna have relationships. Now the challenge is that there are gonna be messages in the world, there are gonna be other people in the world who are gonna try to hijack your story. They're gonna tell you that what you want, that's okay, but, but I've got something that you really should want. Right? And I, I think people send messages to, to play up to our greed, uh, to our insecurities and to our fear. Right? And I think in America, it's hard because we're in this consumeristic society where wherever we turn on television or we go to the internet, we're constantly receiving messages that say, you're unhappy because you don't have what I'm getting ready to sell you, right? And so we have this consumeristic drive that the only way we're gonna be happy is if we get stuff. We buy this or we buy that, or you, know, you try this product, or you, you try this vacation, or you need to own this, right? And so we get into this false narrative and thinking we can buy our happiness, we can buy our meaning. Not about you, but when I buy something new, it's fun for a little while, but after I've had it a little while, it kind of gets boring and sits in the closet and takes up you know, space and have to dust it and all that kind of stuff, and then I want something else. And so I think a lot of us, our stories become hijacked by just we continually are trying to get the next thing and purchase the next thing and buy our way into happiness. Just be careful of that. Right? That's one way that we can get our stories hijacked. I think another thing that can hijack our story is that we can fall too much in love with being comfortable. Right? We want a comfortable life. We want a life of ease. We don't want to have anything interrupting that. And so we kind of build ourselves into this, this bubble of I live in my house. I've got food. I've got clothes. I've got entertainment. Right? A lot of us, we want to entertain ourselves to death. And we live in this little cocoon. And pretty soon we become lazy and pretty soon we, we become so focused that we forget there's millions of people around us that don't have the basics of life. They don't have enough to eat. They don't have enough to drink. They don't have relationships. They don't know who God is. But we don't care about that because we're in our little bubble. I've got my house. I've got my food. I've got my Netflix. I'm streaming. Like I'm good to go. And we just become so insulated and our story gets hijacked. Because part of our story is to try to figure out how we can help other people live a life that is full. And so sometimes we can just become so focused on ourselves that we entertain ourselves to death and it costs other people their lives as well. I think another way also that we gotta be careful that our story can be hijacked, right, is, is really by living vicariously through other people. Right? How many times do we, do we go to the screen, right? We go to the TV screen, the, the phone, the, the, the tablet, right? And we, we obsess about what other people are doing. What are the politicians doing? What are the actors and actresses doing? What are the sports stars doing, right? We live our lives by watching other people live their lives. 
right? And you think about like A-Rod and J-Lo are getting a divorce, which, you know, these two superstar celebrities are getting a divorce. And that's sad. And we don't wish that upon anyone. We don't want anyone to have to get a divorce. And I'm sure they don't want their divorce dragged through the media and everybody's talking about them, right? But I know that there are people who are watching this who feel like a, a personal loss that when they're getting a divorce, it's like someone in their family's getting a divorce because they feel like A-Rod and J-Lo are in their families, right? Because we get so attached to what other people are doing in their lives that we can't separate it from our own lives, right? We're living our lives through what other people do. Right? I, I do this in my life, right? I love sports. I love to watch Duke play basketball. I love to watch the Panthers play football. And there's been times in my lives when those teams have lost I've been so mad and so angry that I didn't even feel like going to work the next day. You know, and, and people are like, well, Kyle, do you coach the team? No. Do you play for the team? No. Do you own stock in the team? No. Do you have anything to do with the outcome on the field? No. Then get over yourself, right? It's a game. Go to work, right? This is, it's a game that other people are playing, right? You know what I'm saying? We get so invested in what other people are doing, we forget to live our lives. Now, listen, listen, this is serious. Like, if we're not careful... We will spend most of our lives watching other people live good stories instead of living our own stories, right? If we are not careful, we can spend our entire lives watching what other people live good stories instead of living them ourselves, right? Brothers and sisters, right? Don't spend your life watching other people live theirs. Don't spend your life watching other people live layers. Put the phone down, put the tablet down, turn off the television, get outside. Like I go outside to shoot basketball with my boys. I go outside to throw the football with them, right? right? Don't spend your life watching other people live theirs. That's not what God wants for you. I can promise you that, right? We deserve more. You deserve more. Get up and, and live, right? Nobody wants at their funeral to say, oh, they were the best couch potato I ever knew. Right? They were on there, they sat on their rear end and they, they knew about A-Rod and J-Lo and they knew about the housewives and they knew about YouTube and they knew about Panthers, right? they knew about, right? No one wants that said at their funeral, right? Don't waste your life watching other people live theirs. Live your lives, live your lives, right? So what then does God want for us? What does God want for our lives? I wanna, I wanna start off like, conceptually, and then we'll go down to the details. How can we figure out what God wants us to live our lives like? So let's go to, uh, back to the Bible. This time we're gonna be in John's gospel. The gospel means the good news. It was written by a disciple, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. These are Jesus' words himself. And he says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is one of the core scripture verses of our church. Jesus says, I have come so that you can have life to the full. And when Jesus says life to the full, he doesn't mean a consumeristic, entertainment-driven life to the full. He, he means that he wants us to have relationships, right, with God and with people. He wants us to be transformed. God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. God wants us to be generous, right? We who live in America, right, we won the lottery simply by living in this country, being born in this country. We have so much to share with others that we have to get outside of our own bubbles and help other people. Jesus says, I want you to live life to the full. Brothers and sisters, would you consider that you're living life to the full in Jesus? I hope so. And if not, it's not too late to start doing that. Jesus also says this in Matthew's gospel, another one of the disciples. 
uh, when they ask him, what's the most important thing about like all the religious rules and all that kind of stuff? Jesus says, I boil it down to two things. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, right? Love God with everything that you have, right? This is the first and greatest commandment. And then there's a second that's like it, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? In the Bible, love means to treat someone right, in the way that God wants us to treat them, that, that we put others ahead of us. Right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Right? With our actions, we care for other people. So God wants us to live life to the full and help other people live life to the full. So how do we actually do that in our lives? I think we got to go back to Esther. Right? Esther, what did she do? She said, I'm going to set some time away and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna fast, and I'm gonna spend it with God. How much of your life do you consciously sit down and talk to God and say, God, show me what it is that you want for my life? God, I'm listening. I need some direction. Right? Send somebody to say it to me. Speak to me aloud. Speak to my heart. Help me read something. Help me hear a message. Like, how many of us spend time every day saying, God, what do you want me to do? I'm a pastor, and I struggle with that. There's so many times I wake up in the morning, I make my calendar, right, for the day, for the week, all the stuff that I think I need to do that I want to do, and I don't even stop and ask God, and I have to mentally time, make a timeout and make, a, make it a practice every day to start off the day asking God, what do you want me to do today? Because so many times in my life, I make this long list of things, and then God just blows it up, and something better happens to me in my life. How, how often do we spend time seeking direction from God? Right? And when we hear things, right, we can weigh that by what is, what, how does that compare to Scripture? What does the church teach? You know, what's my brain telling me? God gives us, you know, the ability to use our brains. What is my experience? What do the people who know me think, right? Those, those are great things. Maybe another way to figure out what is it God wants for you in your life? What are you good at? What skills do you have? Right? And how can you use those skills to make the world a better place? There are a lot of people that are skilled and and, they're, and they do things illegally to make lots of money or have power plays. I don't think that's what God wants, but what gifts and abilities do you have and how are you using them to make the world a better place? What is it that breaks your heart? What is it that makes you mad? What is it that, that you see and you can't go to sleep because you're just, you think it's so unfair or unjust? Maybe that's God's Holy Spirit coming into you to stir things up because God works by making us uncomfortable. We see things that are broken, and we think we need to do something about that. God has placed this on our hearts. There's a woman sitting in the room right over here, right there. Melissa, sorry to put you on the spot. Right? It broke her heart when we went to Haiti together as part of this church. She loves the people of Haiti so much, she quit her job, and now she's working for a nonprofit to help the people of Haiti. Right? That's when we hear from God, when, when God places something on our heart, and it breaks our hearts. Right? I think right now it's a special time in the history of America. It's a special time in the history of the world. There's, there's stuff that's happening. There's stuff that's changing. There, there's things that need to be broken up and, and restarted. There's some things that, that we need to get back to, like Jesus and, and all kinds of stuff. And I, I think 10 years, 20 years down the road, when my kids are older, when they have kids of their own, they're going to like say, Dad, what was it like growing up in the 2020s? This is a historic period. I think God's stirring stuff up justice-wise. God's stirring all kinds of stuff up. What's God stirring up in your heart? What does God want you to do right now? There's so much that we can do. And getting back to the idea of a story, I would also invite you to keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open for what uh, in a story is called an inciting incident. I-N-C-I-T-I-I-N-G, if I got that right. Uh, 
What happens is when characters are in a story and they get too comfortable or they get stuck, then the author writes something to shake it up for them, right? It, it shakes it up to get them off their earrings, get them off the couch and get out in the world and do something, okay? So you think about the Hunger Games trilogy. Y'all ever read that or watched those movies? This is Katniss Everdeen and this is her sister Primrose. Uh, at the beginning of the first book and the first movie, uh, this is in the future, it's this dystopian thing. And this lady draws Primrose's name out of a fishbowl, which means that she has to go and fight in the Hunger Games, which is basically, uh, it's a game where children come together and they kill each other and the last one wins, gets to stay alive. Right? So this one woman draws a name out of a, of a fishbowl. It's her name. And this is her sister and her sister says, no, I'm gonna take her place, take me in place of my sister. And they do. And thus starts the trilogy, right? An inciting incident, something that happens that forces a character to move and you can't go back from it, right? We see it in children's stories as well. This is uh, Rapunzel from Tangled, right? She was fed lies by everyone who raised her saying, different, saying things about people who lived outside of the community. Right, saying they're bad and you can't trust them and all of that until this young man comes into her life from the outside of the community and what she's been told is challenged now, right? An inciting incident. This man simply wanders into her community and it changes her entire world and makes for a movie, right? So that's, that's what's going on here. And then the Star Wars trilogy, right? right? The first of three, this is the very first movie, Luke Skywalker, right? He's looking to do something with his life. He's looking to move forward into his life. He just feels trapped, uh, and then a terrible thing happens to him, an inciting incident. Uh, his uh, aunt and uncle, who he lived with, are murdered in a terrible way by the evil empire that he ends up going to fight and defeat, right? And so, like, something bad happens in him, but it, it forces him to move and, and gets him out into the world. Right? Now, I don't want you to have any inciting incident like Luke Skywalker's or like the Hunger Games, but I would say keep your eyes open because... There are things happening in your life that are gonna force you out of your comfort zone. They're gonna move you out. Sometimes God causes that to happen. He doesn't cause the bad stuff to happen, but he does cause things to push us. And sometimes things just push us naturally and God's gonna work through that. Right? Michael Jordan, right? Arguably the best basketball player in the history of the world, right? didn't make his freshman team. That was an inciting incident. It forced him to get busy honing his game, right? Inciting incident in my life. Right? I had a member of my church come up to me and say, Kyle, I'd like, to meet, uh, I'd like for you to meet this woman that I work with named Laura, right? an inciting incident. I met her, there she is on the front row. She's my wife now. And so inciting incidents, right? How is God doing something in your life to make you move, to get your attention? Maybe God has something in store for you, right? And it might look like, man, this is not, this is, this is not a good thing, but it turns out to be a good thing, right? What does God want for you in your life? How are you seeking that? How are you hearing from God to speak in your life? Let me ask you another question about stories. What's the difference between a good story and a great story? What's the difference between a good story and an epic story, right? A character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. What makes that an epic story where people read it, what, 1,500 years later or 2,500 years later, right? We read Esther. We read Jonah last week, right? These are stories that we still read. What makes that an epic story? Right, what makes the story one that's generational that passes by? I think there's two characteristics. Right? The first is that the character who wants something wants something that's fantastic and it's hard to achieve and it's gonna be almost impossible to get there. Right? It's something that's just, it's, it's a stretch and it's gonna push you out of your comfort zone. Uh, right? So the character really wants something pretty awesome and amazing. 
And the second part of that is that the character to get that is gonna have to sacrifice something. Maybe they're gonna have to sacrifice their way of life. Maybe they're gonna have to sacrifice their income. Maybe they're gonna have to sacrifice their reputation. Maybe they're gonna have to sacrifice their lives. Think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. What did he want? He wants equality for black people and white people, right? That is a major thing. That's an epic story. We're still fighting for that. We still see that that is an impactful thing. What did it cost him? It cost him his life, right? Epic stories, right? Maybe in your life, right, it's not gonna cost you your life, but it's gonna cost you maybe your reputation, right? Maybe you hear something said at work that's just not right. Maybe you hear something said at school that's just not right, and God is pushing you out, right? This is your inciting moment, and you just have to speak up and say, I don't agree with that, and this is why. Right? It, it can be something as powerful as that. Let me ask you this, brothers and sisters. How many of you are living an epic life? How many of you are living an epic life? Again, when you get to, when you get to heaven, are, are people going to say, Woohoo, Kyle's here, right? Mr. Couch Potato made it, right? What'd you do with your life? I sat on the couch and watched science fiction every day, all day, right? That's not what I want my story to be, right? Are you living an epic life? Right? Not just a good life, but an epic life, because I think God died on a cross, not so you could live an average life, but that you could live an epic life. What does that look like in your life? So what? what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. I invite you to wrestle with this this week. The ambitions that we have become the stories that we live. The ambitions that we have become the stories we live. What we want is what we're going to write with our lives. The ambitions that we have become the stories that we live. If you want to be rich and have lots of money, that's gonna be your story, the pursuit of that. If you wanna be popular and be famous and all of that, then that's gonna be your story. You're gonna be a slave to what other people think about you. Right? If you wanna make a difference in your life with the gifts and abilities that you have, right? if you wanna help people in Haiti, then that's going to be your story, right? The ambitions that we have, what we want, become the stories that we live. What do you want for your life? What does God want for your life? Are you living a couch potato life? Are you living an epic life and you're making a difference, right? Esther, right? She was an average person. She had an inciting incident. She became queen and had this opportunity. Jonah, was an average person. He had an inciting incident. What happened? A fish swallowed him, right? And look what happened. We're still talking about them later. Everyday people doing everyday things. If God can use Esther and Jonah, God can use you to do epic things, which I think, brothers and sisters, is what South Park Church is all about. We're a 55-year-old church. We were our church in decline over the past 20 years because our community changed from the sharing community to the South Park community, and we did not adjust. But we heard a message from God to say, I want you to reach the people of South Park just like you reached the people of Sharon, and you did a great job reaching the people of Sharon. I want you to be able to do that. And so for eight years, we've been working towards that, right? That, that's an amazing thing that we, we want to reach people for Jesus. There's nothing larger or more epic than that. Right? And in the midst of that, we made sacrifices. We sacrificed our church's name. We sacrificed our leadership model. We sacrificed our, our staffing model. We tore down our building, right, where people were baptized and were married, and we had funerals for them, right? We did all of that. We did mobile ministry, setting up worship and taking it down, right? We did all of that because we believe God called us to reach people in our current community for Jesus and to reach people online now for Jesus. And here we are, 
And to God be the glory. It wasn't easy. It's not easy. It's still not going to be easy, but it is worthwhile that we get to tell the good news of Jesus to the people of South Park and online, just as we told it to the people of the Sheeran community. I just want to thank you. I'm so proud to be your pastor. I thank you for your patience. I thank you for your vision. I thank you for living an epic story in everyday life. Everyday people, we're living an epic story for Jesus. So I want to caution you, though, right? Don't let your story be hijacked, right? Don't let your story get hijacked. Remember I told you about those warnings, right? We're living epic stories as a church. We don't want to let our story get hijacked, right? By greed or consumerism or or being too comfortable or not caring about other people, right? So we got to follow what God's calling us to do. Are you living that epic story? You're walking the epic story with Jesus, which by the way, is what I want to talk about right now. The most epic story, the greatest story ever told, Jesus. What does Jesus want? What does God want? God wants to be in a loving, personal relationship with you, with every one of you in this room, every one of you watching on television or online. God wants to be in a loving, personal relationship with all of you. And so he has created you in his image, which means that that's good. There's goodness inside of you. He's also given you the ability to choose and make choices. And sometimes we make the right choices and sometimes we make the wrong choices. And when we make the wrong choices and we hurt God and we hurt other people, then we experience guilt and we experience shame and we experience death. We also experience what the Bible calls hell. That's broken relationships. You don't have to die to experience broken relationships where you're not in the relationship with someone in your life that you love. It's just not right. You're not in a relationship with God. Jesus said, I don't want that. I want people to love each other. I want them to love me. I want us to live life to the full on the earth. I want you to live forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? Jesus wants something epic. He wants all of us to live this love story with God, right? And he's willing to make a sacrifice for that. He sees our wrongdoing. He sees our guilt and our shame and our hell and our death. And Jesus says, this is what I'm gonna do about that. He came into the earth as a human being and he let himself be killed on a cross. He died on a cross and he came back to life. And when he died on the cross, he took with him our guilt and our shame and our death and our hell. And when he came back to life, he replaces that with joy and with peace and life to the full now and life forever in the kingdom of heaven. That's the good news. That's the epic story. That's the greatest story ever told that you can be a part of. Jesus loves you that much. And so today on our grand opening day, I think it's fitting that we're gonna celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion in which we celebrate what Jesus did for us. And so if you're watching at home, I just would invite you to grab something to eat, grab something to drink, whatever you got on hand, just go ahead and do that. All right, if you're here in uh, sanctuary, if you get out your communion packet and have that handy, we're gonna use that in just a minute. Because today, right now, we remember that Jesus was with his disciples for the last time and they were having a meal together and he took a loaf of bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and said, take and eat, this is my body which is given for you. As often as you do this, remember me. And then he took a cup of wine, poured it out, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many, so that your sins may be forgiven. As often as you do this, remember me. Jesus said, I want you to live in this epic story of mine, of changing the world, transforming the world, of letting people know they can live life to the full. And by receiving Holy Communion, It's a way of opening ourselves 
saying, yes, Jesus, I wanna live an epic story with you. I'm tired of living without you. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done, God. Come in and forgive me and show me life to the full. Show me the epic life. Help me to know what it is that you want. Let's pray about that, brothers and sisters. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the epic story that Jesus is, has shown us. Lord, that he came and died for us and came back to life, Lord, and so that we can be forgiven and live life to the full and live life forever. So God, we just right now are gonna take a moment of silence and just offer up to you the things in our lives that get in the way of that. Lord, the things that we've done that are wrong, the false stories that we're chasing, the, the things that we want that really aren't good for us, God, please now hear our silent confessions and we ask that you take this stuff from us. God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that you give us joy and peace. Thank you that you take our guilt and shame away. Thank you for life to the full. Lord, speak to us this week. Speak to us specifically about what it is you're calling us to do in our lives. Help us to be aware of those inciting incidents where we're forced to move, God, and know that you are with us to guide us through that process. God, we want to be great characters and epic stories, and we want to live full lives, God, and we cannot do that without you. And so today, God, we open our hearts to you in the holy name of Jesus, we pray, amen. So to receive communion, you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a baptized Christian. This is God's free gift for all of us. And when we receive this today, what it really means is we're saying, yes, God, I wanna be a part of your story. I wanna do what you want me to do in my life. Forget what's happened in the past, make me yours now. And so I invite you to, to get what you have to eat, whether you're here in person or watching online, and know that this is symbolically the body of Jesus broken for you. And if you'll take what you have to drink and know that this symbolically is the blood of Christ shed for us. Brothers and sisters, what our ambitions are, are what our stories become. May your ambitions be epic. May you seek to do what Jesus calls you to do. May you live life to the full. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.